This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the invoicing tool that I use to make sure I collect all my money in an efficient manner. To claim your free month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is none other than Derek Roddenbeck. He is an artist and he's looking to increase his revenue. If you want your chance to enter and to win 100 bucks each Monday on the show, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. What is up, Top Tribe? Good morning to you. You're listening to episode 295. Coming up tomorrow morning, bright and early, you're going to hear from Rob Riggs. His agency has a ridiculous 30% net margin on 1.2 million top line in 2015. Okay, Top Tribe, good morning. Good morning. I hope you're uh, getting a good morning jog in. Hopefully, you've broken a sweat by the time you've started this episode because you're really going to enjoy our guest this morning. His name is Aman Advani. He's the CEO and co-founder of Ministry of Supply, reinventing a new category of clothing, performance professional. The company aims to blend performance technology into where-to-work clothing through a collaboration between engineers and seasoned fashion veterans. All right, Aman, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. This is going to be a lot of fun. So first things first, why don't you tell me uh, uh, how Ministry of Supply, how do you guys actually make money? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we are we we run a mostly direct model where we kind of we we I'd say we sell moments to people. We sell these kind of instances where uh, traditional options, the incumbent that we're fighting against, um, forces a compromise between fashion and function that we think shouldn't exist. Um, so by conveying that kind of emotion and that sentiment, we uh, were able to build those relationships directly with customers and and sell them our product or, or tell them what we're up to. Okay, and give us a sense of, of uh, the kind of the business history. What year did you found the business? Yeah, so we met, uh, the three of us met at MIT in 2011. Uh, um, we launched the company in 2012 on Kickstarter and ended up just having this unbelievable launch where we, we um, beat our goal by 14x and How much did you raise? a million bucks. About 429,000, I think. Um, okay in that month. And at the time that was kind of a, a behemoth on Kickstarter. I think since that's been dwarfed a few times, but at the time it was kind of the record holder for biggest fashion project. And uh, more than anything, just a, a validation that, that we were on the right track. What were people buying when they bought the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah. They, I mean, they were tactically, they were buying a, a, a temperature regulating dress shirt, but I think uh, one of the things that was interesting to us is we also offered an undershirt in the campaign and the amount of people that bought the entire system uh, kind of the sampler pack, we called it, was astounding. Um, and it proved to us that it was more than just a product, that there was a real movement here to kind of create this new category of clothing. What did the sampler package cost? It was 150 Okay, 150 And what did it cost you guys to make that? Did you know at that point or no? Yeah, so we didn't. I think it was one of our bigger and bigger mistakes was uh, we didn't have a good grasp on kind of the at-scale cost of goods. Uh, and on top of that, we didn't properly factor in packaging or returns or anything like that. So we joke in hindsight that we probably lost a decent amount of money on the whole thing where yeah. our cost of goods and 
understanding of the, the e-commerce process wasn't quite mature enough at that point. And so where are you now? How, what was total revenue in 2015? So we don't share total revenue numbers, but but uh, people often back into them. We, the business has doubled year over year uh, since that first year. That was 2012. Um, and we, we've doubled the business year over year and we'll continue to do that. So and we, we've shipped out over 100,000 units. We've, we've doubled the business. I think we, we pride ourselves on stuff like the repeat rate, which has grown. Which is um, what? The repeat rate has nearly doubled since, since our inception. So it's well, what is off. that though? Like, I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, sorry. What is repeat? Yeah. So it means that the, the percentage of customers who make a second purchase. No, no, no. I know what a repeat rate is, but I don't know what your first year repeat rate was. So I can't double it every year to figure out what it actually is. But you got say it's it, really good. It, yeah. We are a bit close to the chest on numbers like that. And I, I hate to sound kind of uh, closed off at all, but, but, I, but from a relative standpoint, uh, it went from a, a kind of an industry average to uh, an astounding number. Well, like save me the Google search. What's industry average repeat rate? <laughs> it, uh, it depends on the industry, but somewhere between 10 and 20% is fairly normal. Okay. And, and is that, is, is that like repeated over what period of time? Is that like, do they come back monthly to purchase? Do they come back annually? One. Yeah. Our second purchase typically happens about 22 days after the first. Okay. And what is average order size? But you know, between, is it between hundred and 200, like the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it averages a little over one and a half units per, per order. So it's this idea that people are tending to, to, to understand the two points make a line, uh, and, and orders in a way that reflects that. Okay. And you dodged 2015 revenue numbers. That's totally fine. But give us, a, give us a general sense of, so I don't know if you're a billion dollar company or $10,000 a year or that's a million, sense. give us a range. A couple of good, a, a couple of, uh, of of helpful numbers that might be at least give you a sense of where we are. Um, we've got a team of about twenty. Uh, about twelve of those are here at headquarters in the restaurant stores. Where are headquarters? Where's where are you? Headquarters is in Boston. Okay. We've taken on about seven million in outside financing. Uh, and use that money very efficiently is kind of our point of pride on, on kind of a fairly low and consistent burn over time. Was that all uh, convertible note or was that a priced round? That was rounds. How many uh, rounds you cut out? Uh, we've done two priced and a convertible note. So it was a series you've done up through a series B. Uh, no, we call it series seed part one and series seed part two. It's largely angel investors and smaller doses of investment. So it's been kind of a, a scrappy fundraising process for us. Okay. And this was since founding in 2012. That's right. Yep. Okay. And, um, Okay. Yeah. So those are helpful. And are, is the business profitable or are you guys losing money as you're investing in growth? We are, we are very focused on the growth element. So I, you know, I don't think the two should have to uh, be at odds growth and, and profitable. Uh, so you're profitable? Not quite. Our, our, <laughs> you can't our, say our, that and then not be profitable. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that when I was setting that up, I was, I was setting myself yeah. up. For that. <laughs> um, but no, we are approaching profitability much faster than I think a lot of our predecessors in the sense that ideally late this year, early next year, We'll cross that milestone for us. It's just a product of kind of economies of scale on some of the fixed costs of, of invest, investing in growth. Um, but but that'll kind of wash out as soon as we um, as soon as we really hit this holiday season, we, we start to break even. OK, and just give us uh, uh, you're not giving me the revenue number. You're, you made me do the hard work and do the math while I'm trying to talk and you're making me double tasks. So I'm going to keep hitting you on this 2012 <laughs> 500 grand sales. You said you doubled every year. So is it fair to say these are somewhat accurate? 2013 was somewhere around a million in sales. 2014 was two million. 2015, you did somewhere around four million top line. <laughs> I won't confirm or deny. We're typically close to the chest on revenue numbers. Well, but what, 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 what makes you keep it? What are you scared of? That's I mean, you're scared of something. That's why you keep them close to the test. And it's okay if it's a good thing to be scared about like competition, but I'm just curious, what scares you about sharing those? About, oh, about particularly about sharing our numbers. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it tends to, to lead to the wrong conversation in the sense that, um, that that we prefer to focus on kind of this industry we're building and kind of billion dollar aspirations and uh, often tend to get lost when we when we talk too much about revenue. And so for us, yeah. it's just my perspective. Like, look, I it drives me crazy. OK, so I'm from a small town in southwest Virginia, right? Yeah. I care about sales and revenue. I get so frustrated from these entrepreneurs that know how to talk. So they go raise 20 million dollars. They have no revenue and they go broke in three years and lose everybody's money. But they made a lot because they were spending investors money on travel to luxurious places and big salaries. So like a big company like Fab, right, I'm sure had billion dollar aspirations and they sure. raised a lot of money and they lost everybody's money because it just didn't work. So I yeah. think there's something to be said for talking about numbers, at least a range or some kind of aspect, you know? Yeah, no, and, and, we, and we tend to kind of refocus on numbers like margins where, you know, I'm, I'm happier to share those numbers. We tend to focus on numbers like repeat rate or growth in repeat rate, which shows an, an improvement in customer loyalty, where to us, those are the numbers we spend a lot more time focusing on internally and would rather shift the conversation to say, to your point, um, you know, are we focusing on metrics that prove the health of the business or are we focusing on metrics that prove just sheer top line growth, which is much less impressive? OK, well, let's talk about. So, yeah, let's talk about repeat rate. What, what is the repeat? What's the repeat rate? Well, again, I, I, like I said, it was growth and repeat rate. Okay, what's growth and repeat rate? Yeah, it's doubling it's, year over year. Yeah, no, the rate hasn't doubled year over year. It's doubled from year one till present. Yeah, you just you, you do this to make the math really hard, and I'm just wondering why we can't just be really clear about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a personal preference to focus less on the numbers, honestly. Okay, fair enough. Look, you will get more sales. We have lots of listeners. They're going to go to your website and buy way more if you give them. No Otherwise, they're just going to kill you on Twitter, dude. I mean, I'm just trying to save you. They're going to kill you on Twitter. What's a general? What is a? Um, so what I'm gonna, what I'm going to try and do is figure out. Well, let's just go that this a different way. So, so is this a subscription service where people are buying this box and you're delivering it kind of one off like some of these other models, or is this literally you got to get the new the customer to keep coming back over and over with discounts and promos? Uh, we get the customer to come back. We don't actually, the vast majority of our business is not discounted. It's a direct sales model. We sell directly to the customer through our own website, through our stores, and uh, less than 5% of our business is a couple of key wholesale partners that we sell through that are, are great at telling our story. Okay, and what do you, how many, I guess, total people like me have bought at least one time through Ministry of Supply? What, how many total customers have you served? That's a good question. So we've shipped out over 100,000 units. Um, if I had to break that down to the total number of unique customers, uh -huh. um, probably about half that. Okay, so about about fifty thousand. It's so, a good guess. Okay, so uh, and so you mentioned some numbers that it sounds like you're really focused on. Um, those are helpful in helping us understand the industry. So you said repeat rate is something you're optimizing for. What other metrics are you optimizing for? Yeah, uh, margins are important to us. I think it, it shows kind of a sense of value creation is what we phrase it as and saying it's, it's, it's critical for us to do that. Um, Supply it, chain margin optimization in terms of gross margin or just total company expenses and optimizing net margin? Uh, gross margin. Yeah, the first one. Okay. And, and I guess, uh, I think apparel, I mean, what is gross margin typically in, in, in the apparel industry? You know, it, it, there's a pretty big swing out there. I'd say anywhere between 30 and 60% is a good guess. It depends on the model. So uh, you'll, you'll tend to see lower numbers when you look at companies who, who have a bigger uh, B2B business where they don't sell direct to the consumer uh, versus companies who sell direct to consumer will have typically higher GM, but, you know, roughly the same end, end goal in the sense that cost of customer acquisition 
becomes a defining factor. So you said less than 5% of your total sales are wholesale or B2B. So it's fair to say you're probably towards the higher end, the 60% of that gross margin yeah. range. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then what are, um, how are you investing in growth? How are you like, what are you, where are you putting money that's helping you get more customers? Yeah. So there's, there's kind of the, I'll say supply side investments and demand side investments from the supply side. R and D is obviously critical to our business. I mean, what we're doing is really infusing technology into, into a you know fairly stagnant fashion business. Um, and so to do that, we have to invest a lot in both the people to, to execute on that uh, R and D process, but machinery, um, ex- exploring new, you know, going to conferences, going to, to, uh, to do small batch testing on, on garments that we produce. So wait, sorry, come on. I want to cut you off real quick. Do you have hard yeah. assets on your balance sheet? Do you have machinery on your balance sheet? No, no, no. We, we, we don't. Um, we tend to either lease machinery or buy small machinery and then also leverage centers like the sports tech Institute in the UK or to leverage, um, other facilities that we can get our hands. I mean, we're a young company without a, a huge balance sheet. So Got it. where we can, we, we, uh, our manufacturers are pretty stacked with, with uh, testing equipment that we're able to use, um, as needed. Okay. Got it. Um, what about demand side? So demand side, yeah, it's a, it, it's a lot of what we can say. There's a, I mean, obviously from a funnel standpoint, you can talk about kind of awareness and acquisition. Um, from awareness, you know, that is planting seeds, right? Acquisition has a more direct or immediate ROI. Awareness is a little bit more just planting the seeds. So when we talk about investment, not just kind of short-term turnaround, um, I'd say there's two that come to mind. Um, one is kind of, let's say podcasts would be a good example. We do some advertising on podcasts, but also direct mail. Um, so thinking about, you know, a little bit of paid media that we do to kind of, uh, spread the word. Um, but the other one would really be from an investment standpoint, that's probably more pertinent to this conversation is our stores. Um, our stores are certainly an investment in something that we, we, you know, see a, a big model going forward. The two stores we have open right now, both started as pop-ups and grew, um, you know, significantly since then we've signed longer term leases as we've understood the model, uh, that works for us. Um, you're shipping a hundred thousand, uh, uh, units. That's a lot. However, your team, you've remained fairly small. You've replaced, I think some of the workforce with actually robots with your guys' technology background. Uh, I believe in the research, I, I read that you guys have some, uh, knitting done by robots. What is your position on $15 minimum wage? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, it candidly hasn't, uh, it hasn't affected us too much in that, in that most of, you know, of course our company and, most of our suppliers is that, you know, you can, the, the two ways that would affect us is our direct workforce, the people that are on our team, uh, all of whom were making above minimum wages and haven't, you know, had to, had to adjust based upon that. Um, and also your suppliers, right? If they're paying people below that number and they have to raise it, that, that, uh, that that might get passed through to us. So there's been little to no effect on us of, of the raised minimum wage. It's because we're running in a, a business that doesn't, you know, we, we aren't price shoppers when we're Sorry, looking for do you, I'm on, do you think rational CEOs like yourself that are always looking to get gross margins higher or net margins higher will continue to replace people with robots if minimum wage increases? Yeah, I, I, I think people will continue. I think there's there's a certain uh, amount of work that needs to be done by humans. Um, but I think we, you know, we, we saw a great talk from uh, Rethink Robotics where a lot of the sentiment was that as that replacement happens, it should just it, it shouldn't be to eliminate you know the workers jobs. It should be to, to continue to reallocate them to higher value tasks and to improve the overall product. So the short answer is yes, I think there is an opportunity to continue to think for us about 
you know, it's effectively 3D printing clothing and, and what we can do to get closer and closer to that standpoint. But at the same time, understanding and leveraging a workforce that's capable and able to, to, to add value in other ways when we start to, to remove the need for, you know, direct cut and sell labor or reduce the need for cut and sell labor. Okay, I'm, I'm getting into this. We're almost we're running up to time, but I just uh, one last question. So what else are you, you said you're optimizing for uh, repeat rate? You're optimizing for margin optimization towards a 60% side on both the supply side and demand side. Uh, uh, in terms of net margin, what are some of the other things you're optimizing for rate wise? Yeah, I mean, we, we run a, an, an asset based business in the sense that we have to have inventory on hand. So our other kind of major metric to consider is making sure inventory is turning over at a good rate. Um, and we do keep products on the market. What for is a good rate? I know nothing about this space. So inventory turns a good rate for us would be somewhere in the four to five turns a year. Right. So holding two to three months of inventory at a time. Interesting. Okay, cool. And, and uh, how, I mean, are you holding six or seven figures worth of inventory on hand at any moment? Six to seven. So actually right on the edge, right um, on the edge. I mean, okay. candidly, just throwing numbers that we're holding, you know, at any given moment, somewhere between a half a million and a million bucks of inventory. And that fluctuates obviously. Yeah, exactly. By okay. season. Very cool. Well, hey, Amon, we're about to get into my uh, favorite part of the show, which is the wrap up. Before we do that, if people want to connect to you personally online, just to follow your journey and ministry of supply, where can they do that? Yeah, shoot me a note on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way. I'm pretty diligent about reading those. So it's just a and Bonnie. You'll find me pretty easily. Okay, so so many of you have been asking me, you're an agency and you bill for your time or you have, you're a coach and you sell your hours to coaching clients. Well, stop fooling around with Word documents and templates or Excel files to try and send your invoicing. Okay, I just did it. I use this thing called FreshBooks. It's a tool. It takes me about 34 seconds to create and send an invoice. And here's why I love it. If you're a coach or an agency, you know how you always spend time begging and pestering your clients to pay? Well, Fresh books makes and becomes the bad guy for you. They'll send late payment reminders, which means you don't have to chase people down and strain the relationship. So I love that. Additionally, when you create the invoice in the upper left, you can put your own brand logo and things in there so you can stay on brand and professional. So here's the deal. You know, the show is all about numbers. And the most important thing listening for everybody is that FreshBooks is simple, even if you're not a numbers person. Well, you know, actually, especially if you're not a numbers person, Person. Don't you dare come on my show and expect me not to ask you numbers questions. You guys know that I do. I go for the jugular and you now can use FreshBooks to keep your numbers organized. To get your free month, go to NathanLatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the how did you hear about us section. Again, to get your free month, go to NathanLatka.com forward slash FreshBooks right now and enter the top in the how did you hear about us section. No credit card required. Okay, top tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Awesome. Well, Top Tribe, we will link to all of that, including links to Amon's site in the show notes at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top 295. Again, forward slash the top 295. All right, Amon, pressure's turning up, my man. Do you know what time it is? 
I don't. It's, Tell time, me. it's time for the famous five. Actually, these are easier than the things I was hitting you with earlier. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's your favorite book? Uh, I'd say good to great. I read it uh, last year and I'm, I'm actually in the process of rereading it now because I think there's a lot I missed the first time around. Jim Collins, number two, Amon, what's your, uh, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? That's a good question. I'd say my biggest mentor is a gentleman by the name of John Carlson, who's a, uh, who, who effectively acts as a CEO. He runs a large fund within Fidelity's practice um, and, and, and appreciate how he operates and, and uh, a lot of the you know, news you'll see about him yeah, confirms that. That'll be good. So when you go public on your roadshow, you've got a, a direct supply there. That's right. <laughs> All right. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have like HostGator? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out and I'll throw a, a close second. So uh, I use a tool on email called Boomerang, which is just absolutely fantastic for email peace of mind. Um, they didn't pay me to say that. I am just a natural evangelist of it. And I, I rely on it. Um, we'll let you send stuff later. We'll let you bring stuff back to your inbox if no one replies. Um, and the close second, just so I can squeeze it in there, is one called GQs, which is just an awesomely simple task management tool. Awesome. And the uh, for, for for those of you that are wanting to listen to the Boomerang CEO talk about their business and how they hit a $3.5 million annual run rate, you can listen to that in episode 33 at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top 33. Okay. Number four, Aman, yes or no, as you're building your startup, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? No. No. <laughs> All right. And what's your situation? Are you married, single? Do you have kids? Engaged. Oh, and congratulations. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. And how old are you? I'm 30 going on 31 next week. Congratulations. Okay. So here's the question. Take us back 11 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oof. Uh, you know, all the, all, I'd say that the easy way to say this is that in, in building a business, uh, all the easy things are hard and all the hard things are easy. <laughs> Top drive. Remember that as you're building your business from MIT grad Amon and his founders uh, who launched the business in 2012 with over 500 grand in sales on Kickstarter, which was 14 times their target uh, growing to where they are today in 2015. I have no idea what the hell their revenue is. You figure that out for yourself. <laughs> However, they've raised $7 million. They're processed over 100,000 units sold and have somewhere near about 50,000 unique customers they've served as they look to really build their empire. Aman, thank you for taking us to the top. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Nathan. If you guys enjoyed Aman Advani today, go back and listen to Eddie Baca from yesterday. He breaks down how he can get you 100,000 quality live viewers instantly, be it on Facebook Live or YouTube, whatever you want, he can get the live viewers. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.